0: Hey, did you know that the Throwback Network consists of a group of podcasters with one thing in common? We all love old things. Whether it's old video games, old movies, old toys, old stories, old, old I. Old. The Throwback network is the place to find them all. So go ahead. Take a jaunt over to the throwbacknetwork.net. Check it out. I will make you. <laughs> Excuse me. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of SWOTR, the old time radio show. With me your host, Scully Joe. I'm honored to have a listener. Give me a story this His name is Matt Lappy, and he will be appearing on the next 80 to 89 with the host Zerbinator who I can't stand. (laughs) That guy is such an ass. But it's okay. I digress. I'm sorry. Tonight's story is called Three Skeleton Key with Vincent Price. I love... Vincent Price. He's like the best thing since I bread, And I love it. Do you know what I love most about Vincent Price? It's not his good looks. It's not his daring physique. It's his voice. His voice is that of an evil angel. And that's what makes this story one of the best stories I've heard in a long time. Thank you, Mr. Lappy! Welcome to Spiderwebs O-T-R.
1: Welcome to Spiderwebs O-T-R. Welcome to Spiderwebs O-T-R. Welcome to Spiderwebs
0: O-T-R. Tonight's story takes place at a lighthouse. The original story was made by George Trudeau for a magazine called Esquire way back in 1937. It's recorded in 1950 for Escape and then again in 1956 and 1958 for the old-time radio show titled Suspense. You can find those on archive.org. FOR ALL YOUR OTR NEEDS! <laughs> ah, OTRs, baby! So as you might have guessed, I'm at the ocean. And I'm hanging out here trying to pick up some chicks. Am I right, ladies? Yeah, you want it. I got it. You want it. The way it is, that's the way it rolls, baby. Uh... So, without further ado, let's go ahead and start this show. Ladies and gentlemen, SWOTR presents... Three Skeleton King. With Vincent Price. (laughs) Do not go in the water when it's lightning outside. You'll end up looking like me. Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream
2: of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all?
3: We offer you... ESCAPE! ESCAPE! Designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure!
2: Tonight, we escape to a lonely lighthouse
3: off the steaming jungle coast of French Guiana. And a nightmare
2: world of terror and violence. As we bring you again in response to hundreds of requests, Three Skeleton Key, starring Vincent Price.
3: Picture this place. A gray tapering cylinder welded by iron rods and concrete to the key itself. A bare black rock, 150 feet long, maybe 40 wide. That's at low tide. At high tide, just the lighthouse, rising 110 feet straight up out of the ocean. And all about it, the churning water. Gray, green, scum-dappled, warm as soup. And swarming with gigantic bat-like Devilfish, fish, great violet schools, a Portuguese man-of-war, and, yes, sharks, the big ones, the 15-footers. And as if this weren't enough, there was a hot, dank, rotten-smelling wind that came at us day and night off the jungle swamps of the mainland, a wind that smelled like death, a wind that had smelled the slow and frightful death that came one night to this bare black rock. <laughs> Set in the base of the light was a watertight bronze door, and in you went, and up, yes, up and up and round and round, past the tanks of oil and the coils of rope, casks of wicks, racks of lanterns, sacks of spuds and cartons and cans, and up, and up and up, round and round. Over the light store room was the food store room... and over the food store room was the bunk room where the three of us slept... and over the bunk room was the living and cooking room... and over the living and cooking room was the light. She was a beauty, big steel and bronze baby... with the sun gleaming through the glass walls all about... bouncing blinding little beams off the big shining reflectors... glittering and refracting through her lenses the whole gigantic bulk of her balanced like a ballerina on the glistening steel axle of her rotary mechanism, she was a sweetheart of a light. And at night she'd lie there on the stone deck of the gallery with her revolving smoothly and quietly over your head, easing her bright white eye 360 degrees around the horizon. You'd lie there watching to see that the feeders kept working, that everything ran right. And it wouldn't be bad, the other two fellows snoring in their sacks two levels down. You'd smoke your pipe to kill the stink of the wind, and it wouldn't be bad. About those other two, Louis and Auguste. What a pair. Louis, he was head man, was a big fellow from the Basque country, black beard... Little hard black eyes and a pair of arms that I tell you those arms were as big around as my legs. Yes, head man he was, and what word he let go was law. A silent fellow, and although I spent my first two weeks trying to strike up a real conversation, the most I could ever get out of him was... John, I took up this profession because I don't like people. They want to talk too much. It's quiet work, light tending. Let's keep it that way. You, are getting to be as bad as August. I thought maybe for once they'd send me somebody... Who that was his Louis. Shut. When he accused me of becoming like August, I quieted down, because August was the talkingest man I'd ever met. The talkingest and the ugliest. He was hunchbacked, stood four feet high, had red hair and big blue eyes. It seems he'd been an actor in Paris. Yes,
1: yes, indeed. Played in over 200 different productions, dear boy, at the Grand Guignol. Oh, but it was monstrous, horrible. The way we used to scare the audiences. I I was hated. Yes, yes, they used to throw things and hiss and bare their teeth at me. Finally, it got too bad. I couldn't stand it any longer. I gave up the theater. My nerves, you understand, yes? Gave it up completely, I really did. Couldn't stand it any longer.
3: It all started one morning at 2.30. I was on watch, lying on the cool stone deck, pulling on my pipe, staring out at the blackness, the phosphorescent combers, and the big yellow stars. When out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something show up for a second, something the light had touched, far off. I waited for her to come around again, and when she did, there it was master, a big one, about a half mile off and coming down out of the north-northwest, coming straight for us. You must understand, our light was where it was for a very good reason. Dangerous submerged reefs surrounded us and ships kept clear. But this one, this sailing vessel, was coming straight on. I went over to the gallery door and yelled, Louie! Louie! Couldn't understand it. I waited for the light to come around again.
1: What is Ship headed for the reef.
3: Coming right up. I had the glasses off now. I couldn't read her name, but I could see her quite plainly. All sails set. The foam creaming away under her bow, her beautiful lines. A Dutch ship, I guessed her. But why didn't she turn? Every time it passed, our light hit her with the glare of day. Ship? Where? North, northwest. The light will touch her in a moment. Can't they see? Look at her. She just keeps coming on. Yeah, the square head. What is it? What is it? Watch north, northwest.
1: I know. I know what it is.
3: Huh? What?
1: The Dutchman. The flying Dutchman. We did a play about her
3: once. Oh, what
1: a performance. You ghastly galleon, hag-ridden, cursed ribbon. Mustard. Shut up, her... will you?
3: She's loving. Yes. Sloppy way to come about. She's derelict, that's it. Derelict? Abandoned. The crew left her for some reason or other. But instead of sinking, she's gone on, running before every wind.
1: She'll not run long. Not with these reefs to break her
3: up. A beautiful ship. Now, why would men leave a beautiful ship like that? She didn't ram us, although we all expected it. But as we waited for the crash, she left again, caught some odd gust and went about. We watched her the rest of those black hours, healing and rocking, pushed and pulled by every stray wind, every freak current. Watched her until the dawn came, till the sea turned from black to a pearly gray. And on she came again, heading for us. We all had our glasses trained on her now. August, you can kill the light.
1: Right, Chief?
3: She doesn't look so good by daylight. Think she'll ground this time? What? I say, do you think she'll ground this time? Huh? This is impossible. Huh? Absolutely impossible. What? Here, take my glasses. They're better than yours. All right. And what is it you I had to focus, and then my breath froze in my throat. The decks were swarming with a dark brown carpet that looked like a gigantic fungus, but undulating. And on the masts and yards, the guys and all were hundreds, no thousands, no mi- I don't know, an endless number of enormous rats.
0: You know what I don't like about mice or rats or anything with four legs that could walk in and out of my vertebrae? Is the fact that they could walk in and out of my vertebrae? That's very frustrating. You know what it's like to sit there and pretend that you don't notice that there's some mouse in your ribcage? Especially when people are staring at it constantly? Can't stand it. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, you. What ya
2: doing, man? So let's say you want to relive the days of your
0: youth? Well, we have a cure for that especially if you're in your 40s and 50s. Zerbiniger's 80 to 89 podcast is a recorded journal dedicated to the history of the 80s. It features all the news, music, movies, technology, and even some show and tell from the 80s. Find it at zerbiniger.wordpress.com. And for you Apple freaks on iTunes as well, Yeah, 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 Ah, yeah, boy, am I excited. See them?
3: Yes, I see them. Now we know why she's derelict. Yes, now we know. What are you two doing?
1: Here, give me a look.
3: Yes, give him the glasses. Take a good look, chatterbox. Give you something to talk about. She's still heading for us. Yes. (sighs) She's going to turn. She better turn soon. (sighs) Suppose she doesn't. You I mean suppose she piles up on the key? It's slow tide. Yes. Yes, it is. Where's all the conversation, August, huh? Here, want the glasses again? No. What another look? No, no. She's still coming on. Go away!
1: Go away! Turn, will you? Turn, I say, I pray you, turn! She's
3: climbing up.
1: The rats. Look, on the water, like a carpet. They're
3: swimming. Sure, they're swimming. Those are ship's rats. But they're swimming for the rocks. The door below. It's open. Come on. Down we went, racing down the stone stairs, taking them three and four at a time. Scared? You bet we were scared. August, you get the windows. Maybe they can climb. We don't know. Rachel, but hurry Look. See them? No. Oh, yes, I do. Up at the other end of the rock. Look at the, the millions. millions. They smell us. Yeah. Here they come. Close the door. And oh, no, can Here. Let me. Oh, move. <coughs> <coughs> made it. Holy. That was close. One guy in. Look. There.
1: Get him. <coughs>
3: He was as big as a tarmac, bigger. And his eyes were wild and red, his teeth long and sharp and yellow. He went for us, star and ravenous, and we fought him, fought that one rat all over the room. It was, oh, believe me, I do not exaggerate, it was like fighting a panther. Got him. we better get aloft. As so we ran up the winding staircase, we passed the tiny windows of the various levels and that every one was a thick, wriggling, screaming curtain of brown fur. I was ahead of Louis, and I dreaded each successive level. Suppose they had found a way in. Look at them! Will you look at them? It's a nightmare! Will you look at them? The air of the gallery was thick and fettered with the stink of them. The light was dim, brown, filtered through the crawling mass that swarmed over the glass all about us. I could not see the sky, nothing, nothing but them... Their red eyes, their claws, their wriggling hairy snouts, and their teeth, the rats. They screamed and howled and threw themselves against the glass. They were starving. And we three, we stood very quietly. Oh, very, very quietly in the center of the classroom under our beautiful light. And we waited.
1: What can we do? What can we do?
3: Take it easy, old man. Take it easy. I can't. just can It won't do any good to stand here in shape. Uh, that's right. Anybody want a cigarette? Yes. Yes, sir,
1: I have one. Thank you.
3: Good boy. We've got to keep calm about this thing. Here's a light. <laughs> they don't light the
1: fire, do they? Guess not. <laughs> Give me another match. Uh, uh. You don't like that much, do you like Don't Just... rile them, August Give me some more matches I'll strike them and strike them and strike them Until they get scared and go away They won't go away <laughs> Not until Finish it, Chief. Not until what? Not until they've been fed
3: Take just so much horror and then you get used to it. And they were interesting to watch, you know. They couldn't understand the glass. They could see us and they could rush at us, but that thin, invisible barrier held them off, stopped them. From time to time, we caught a glimpse of the rocks below. More rats down there, swarming brown velvet in the bright tropical sunlight. And then the tide began to rise only it'd drown some of them.
1: Ships, rats, don't drown. <laughs> no, sir, you cannot drown one of them. They're all climbing up the tower.
3: This bunch around us is getting thicker. Yeah. Say, what's the time? Quarter six. You've got first watch, John. Right. Uh, wake me at ten. I will. Come along, Avers. It was getting dark. One side of the room was lit a soft, filtered red sunset through the racks. Oh, very pretty. I set the wicks, checked my fuel, and then lit the lamps. It caught them, lit them in their gigantic wriggling web of pale, hairless bellies, twitching red tails, bright eyes. Then I started the rotary motor. Life drove them mad as she swung slowly and smoothly about. She blinded them in the fierce, stabbing bar of light, moving continually about of a turning of a touching of a moving around and around, and they twitching and shuddering, eyes flaming when they were struck by the light. The bright light moving, and behind on the dark side of the room, so close, so close, I could not turn my back, but you cannot help turning your back when you're in a room made of glass... On the dark side of the room, you could not see them, but only their eyes. Thousands of points of blank red light blinking and twinkling like the stars of hell.
0: I want to take this time to extend a thank you again to Mr. Matt Lappy for helping me out, but also extend an open-armed hug to anybody who would like to come around and just give me an idea of an old-time radio show that they'd love. If you love an old-time radio show and it has to do with the horror genre, let me know. I would love to play a story that you grew up with. If it's one that tickles your fancy or tickles your mind or tickles your soul or scares your hands to death. I want to hear about it. So go ahead and email me at instrumentally at gmail dot com and I'll put your story on the show. We'll be right back after these messages. Gentlemen. Welcome to
2: Look It. First rule of Look It is you do not talk about Look It. Second rule of Look It is you do not... Talk about Look It. Third rule of Look It. If there's a power outage, not enough hard drive space, or the wife comes home, the show is over. Fourth rule, no more than 50 megs per show. And fifth rule, no more than one topic per show, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Seventh rule, shows will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time downloading Lookit, you will listen. Welcome to the Lookit Podcast, where all your dreams
0: find Lookit at www.zerpinator.wordpress.com. And yes, it's on iTunes.
3: Louie relieved me at ten, but I didn't get much sleep that night, and when I came up into the gallery early next morning... There stood August, his back to me. He was bowing to the rats, waving his arms and making a
1: speech. I am going to play once again that magnificent role which made me the toast of the Paris theater. Prelotte, the evil genius of the medieval underworld. I am he who did guide the dark soul of the maréchal into the nether (laughs) parts. Do not be frightened, little children. I will not hurt you. I stood staring at him, (laughs)
3: horror-struck, but he didn't notice me. The man had gone mad. He kept turning, telling his stories to all the rats, leaving no one out. August! August!
1: (laughs) Ah, another one! A latecomer! Take a seat on the aisle, dear patron. Move stop over there. Stop it. Let the gentleman be but seated. He didn't. Stop. I'm, I'm, he went on, I'm,
3: bowing I'm, and scraping I'm, to the rats, his big is, blue I'm, eyes rolling and winking, I'm, his wild I'm, red I'm, hair I'm, waving I'm, about him. I grabbed him by the arms. Uh, <laughs> <slapped his
1: face. laughs>
3: he looked at me like a child. And then his face screwed up. He looked as though he were about to cry. Go below. Go on.
1: Oh, very well, then. Later, my dear audience, later. Matinee today.
3: Sure, he was crazy. But I guess we all were. A few hours later, he came back up and caught Louie and me teasing the rats. Yes, sounds horrible. (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) We could get right up against the glass and make faces at them. It drove them crazy. They would scratch away trying to get at our eyes. Louis was even cuter about it. He'd pull a piece of bread out of his pocket and press it against the glass. The rats would scramble into a solid ball, biting each other, clustering like grapes. From time to time, a whole knot of them would slip and the 110 feet to the surf below.
1: The sharks! They're eating them.
3: Ah, the sharks are our friends. Here. I'll get another bunch together. Here, yeah, my beauty. That's it. Pile of kill each other. There they go! Auguste joined in, too. Oh, very ingenious, August. He learned that if he spread-eagled himself against the glass, they bunch and bundle against his figure. Then he'd leap back. Look!
1: My portrait in rats.
3: It went on all day. And then I was lying in bed. It was about midnight. I was very tired and I was just beginning to fall off to sleep when I became conscious of a new sound. Couldn't figure it at first. I got up, lit the lamp, and went to the window. Even as I looked at it, I saw one of the panes begin to sag in. They had eaten the wood away. Louis, Louis, come uh, quick! What? What is it? They found a way in. I held the glass with my hand. Now they were all going crazy, and assured of the success of this maneuver, we're all nibbling away at the wood. Louis ran below and then returned with a large sheet of tin. We spread it against the window and hammered it into place. Even as we did so, we felt the heavy body scudding against the other side as the window gave way. That ought to hold. If it doesn't, we're done for. Rats can't eat tin. No, they can't. So what was that? I don't know. It came from below. Store room window. Uh, They're in. They're swarming up the stairs. Oh, drop the trap. Right. Uh, two of them got in.
1: Let's go after them.
3: We didn't have to go after them. They came at us. I leaped to one side and grabbed a marlin spike, swung and smashed one in midair. No! I whirled to see Louis with the other. It had ripped his hand open and the blood was pouring all over the place. He held his hand aloft and kicked at the snarling rat I stepped and swore he had got him.
1: My hand! He got my hand! That's
3: both of them, Louis. I'll get you something to tie that up.
1: Blood! Look at it! My,
3: my blood! I'm bleeding! Now, don't worry about it, Louis. Here, look. I'll wind this kerchief around it. It'll be okay. Blood! There, now. It's not bad. Just the flesh. And then I became conscious of another new sound. They were gnawing their way through the wooden trap door. I watched the wood, fascinated. Even as I did, it began to give way, and a bristling, whiskery nose showed through. Louis, Louis, we've got to go up. The next level was the living quarters, and I slammed the trap door there too. But it too was wood. Uh, my blood! What are we going to do? Oh, hell no! We'll be through this one in a moment. The gallery. The trap door in the gallery is metal. Good, come on. We made it. We lay across the trap door exhausted. While below us, the rats took over the entire tower. I could hear them howling and fighting over our food supply, our water, our leather. And all about us, the others screamed and glared in at us weighed in a tangled mass, hypnotized by the ever-turning light. By morning, the air in the little room was horrible. Until now, we'd been getting air from the tower below. Now that was sealed off. And so was all our food and water. We lay exhausted, panting, waiting, waiting. The hours crawled on. I was almost dozing from fatigue when I I saw a sight that brought me too fast.
1: <laughs> Would you like to come in, my dear Dean? Would you? I hold the powers of life and death, and I can let you in, you are. Know.
3: August was standing by the glass, and in one hand he held a wrench. He was tapping the glass gently, not quite hard enough to break it. I eased myself to my feet, and slowly, very slowly... It's so toward him.
1: All I have to do is tap just a little harder. Uh...
3: I found a coil of wire in the tool kit and I trussed him up. Fastened him to a stanchion in the center of the room. Louis was of no help. He lay on his side looking at his bloody hand, weak and sick as a baby. So there I was, a lunatic and a coward for company and all about watching our little drama, The Rats. The day dragged by. The supply boat wasn't due for another 12 days. I don't know what they could have done if they had come. We had only one way of summoning them, and that was to shoot off distress rockets, but the rockets were four floors below. And even if they'd been right there in the gallery, I couldn't have opened a window to fire them. night I tended the light, but its flame was devouring our oxygen. The following day we lay, thirst tormented, starving, waiting, waiting, and the following night I again tended the light, but this small supply of spare wicking we kept in the gallery had become exhausted, and quite suddenly, about midnight, the light went out. There's nothing I could do. Wicks were stored three levels below. Nothing I could do. Nothing. From time to time, I'd strike a match to see the clock. When I did, it lit up a million red eyes about us. All about us. Watching. Waiting. Below, it had grown quiet. They'd cleaned us out, and now they, too, were waiting. All waiting. And then... The rats, quite suddenly, were silent. And then I heard it. And then I saw the sky and the stars. The rats were gone. I went to the glass. Out there on the water, a small freighter, a banana boat, showing a few lights, came softly and innocently at us. The light was out. They didn't know. I wanted to open the windows to call out to them, to warn them somehow, but I was afraid. What if if the rats were hiding from me, tricking me? So I waited. She grounded very softly on a reef not. 200 yards from the quay Grounded so gently That the man playing the cornet Was he a passenger Or crewman off watch Didn't even stop playing They tried washing her back off I could have told them to save their fuel The tide was rising Would have floated her free And I waited That's the story. The sun came up and there wasn't a rat on the whole key. Every last one of that terrible army had left us, gone back to sea on their new ship. August in Asylum, he never recovered. And Louis, they took him into Cayenne where he died of blood poisoning from his bite. Uh, Oh, yes. Well, that's the whole of it. If you'll excuse me now, I must go set my traps. No, no mouse traps. No rats in this lighthouse, I should say not. Life in the lights isn't bad. But sometimes when I see a strange vessel approaching, I get a little nervous, sure. Somewhere on the seas, there's a little banana boat without a crew. That is, without a human crew. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robson. Tonight we have presented Three Skeleton Key by George Tadoos, adapted for radio by James Poe and starring Vincent Price as Jean. Supporting Mr. Price, where Harry Bartell is August and Jeff Corey as Louis. Sound effects on Three Skeleton Key, created by Cliff Thorsness and executed today by Mr. Thorsness, Gus Bays and Jack Sixsmith, have been awarded the best of the year by Radio and Television Life Magazine. Harry Esman was at the control panel, and special music was arranged and conducted by Del Castillo.
0: Do you like banana boats? I like bananas. I like banana boats. I can't remember if banana boat was a form of an ice cream Sunday thing, or if it was a place I went shopping for clothes before my skin fell off. Hard for me to remember. I do remember when I was once just a little kid that I used to wear a banana costume for Halloween, does that count? But the thing that scares me is the fact that those banana boats have a bunch of mice in them that are gonna run in and out of my rib cage and start gnawing on my bones, crunching them and trying to chew me up and I just can't have that again. So I try to stay away from rats. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of SWOTR 3 Skeleton Key, starring Vincent Price. And until next time, may all of your dreams be nightmares. <laughs> See you. All of Zerbinator's music and podcasts are under the Creative Commons license, which allows retelling and rebroadcasting as long as the author is notified and credited. For more great escape pods, please visit www.zerbinator.wordpress.com. If you would like to contact Land, you can send an email to instrumentally at gmail.com or give us a call at 571-408-ZERB or 9372.